You're listening to the 920 Podcast. Download the Fan Run app today and get the latest from the 920 Podcast on any of our network platforms, including Apple Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Catch the 920 Podcast weekly and get a glimpse of this weekend's rotation presented by Crumble Cookies. Leading us into this weekend is the Panther Social Podcast, as they were on the beat on Rocky Top last week to catch up with some of the players and what they had to say about this weekend showdown and the upcoming season. Hey guys, welcome to the Panther Social Podcast. I'm Lizzie. I'm Cab. I'm Trevor. And today we're talking all things Tennessee baseball. We had the opportunity to catch up with a few of the players last week and get some insights for their upcoming season. We were joined by Chris Stamos and Ethan Payne. We asked various questions ranging from what they'd like to eat to some of their expectations for the upcoming season. Based on what Chris said, what kind of impact do you think he will have on the team this season? Uh, I think he, once he like settles in and finds his uh, spot, he's going to be a good role player. Yeah, you know, coming off of the scrimmages last week, I definitely think he'll end up claiming one of those midweek pitching spots and maybe even as the season progresses, sliding into a weekend spot. Do you think he'll be an immediate impact player for the Vols? I think it's going to take some time for him to like find his groove and fit in, but I think once he does that, he'll end up being a top five pitcher that we have. Uh, Lizzie, what player do you think gave the most insightful responses? Um, you know, I'm definitely going to have to go Ethan. Not only did he take the initiative on most of the questions that we asked, I think he showed his leadership role that he's given himself in the way that he answered his questions. You know, like when we were talking about their favorite moments playing baseball at Tennessee, we brought up the huge play he had last year at Clemson, and he didn't try to take credit for it immediately. He didn't try to talk to it, like about it, about him. He immediately connected back to the team and all the work that they had put in to win the game. Yeah, we also got to see some of their personalities come out with questions like, what would their dream uniform be? What favorite places do they eat on their day off and what kind of seeds they're choosing on game day? Yeah, they had fun discussing their dream uniforms, uh, but the final verdict was an all-black uniform with volunteers spelled all the way out on the front. And as far as food, Ethan said he's heading to Bren's Pizza, and then Chris stuck with the classic uh, Chipotle run. That's all we have for today. To learn more about the 2024 Tennessee team, follow Panther Social as we will be sure to reconnect with them as the season goes on. Turn up. You were absolutely ready to say that outro. Welcome back to the 920 podcast. Uh, shout out to Panther Social uh, for leading us in and giving us some insight from where they were on the beat last week on Rocky Top to talk to Chris Damos and Ethan Payne. Uh, I'm joined by none other than Bill Monnet, the co-host for this season. Uh, if you heard the first episode of the season, we talked to Aaron Combs, uh, right-handed pitcher for Tennessee. Uh, he gave us some great insight. We were able to break down very quickly kind of a snapshot preview of the upcoming season. But here we're going to give you a full breakdown of this weekend and what's to come for the 2024 Volunteers. Bill, we're uh, we're coming down the home stretch. Things open up in Texas at the Shriners Showdown. We've got Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Baylor. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I know you as a baseball guy, you're pretty pumped up to see uh, this team perform. We were able to see a scrimmage, and we've heard at this point, we've heard some clippings from Tony V and some other players before they head down to Rangers Stadium. And uh, 
We've got an official roster now, just in time for the season. So, uh, Bill, what after listening to Aaron Combs uh, and, and reading some of the, about some of these players, uh, I know you. You know, one of the questions was catcher position. Where's your mind at? Um, you know, going into the season, going into this weekend, is it player specific? Is it more of a, a grand scope of things on the 2024 season? Uh, where are you at? Really not a player-specific thing. You know, obviously, Peebles is the guy. He's going to go as much as he can. But, you know, from there, as, as we talked a little bit about last week, you've got to find somebody to give you some offense from that number two catcher. You know, obviously, uh, you know, handling the pitching staff, you know, throwing out runners, that's important. But you got to find a way to get some offense as well because I don't know, you know how many times down the stretch last year this team get to uh, – uh, a rally to the seventh, eighth place hitter, and you know, up came the catcher, whoever it was, and there just wasn't any offense there. So you've got to find somebody that can handle the bat in that backup catcher position. For sure, and uh, you know what we saw from Peebles, uh, he looked pretty good behind the plate. I know yep. that Cal, you know, Cal Stark uh, really had a good rapport with the pitchers uh, last season, but like you said, uh, whether it was him or somebody else. Uh, kind of those guys rotating in the offensive production was, was kind of a chink in the armor, so to speak. Uh, we'll see what maybe he can do. Uh, Charlie Taylor will be back there. Stone Lawless is a, a true freshman uh, that may be an option, but you have to expect that, uh, you know, Stark or Taylor will kind of be in line to, to fill the void for peoples. Cause like you said, it's the guy's not catching every day, <laughs> but uh <laughs> And, and you know, Cal and Cal and Charlie both at times showed some. They, they showed the bat. They showed some signs of being able to hit the ball, but they just didn't have any consistency there. So you know you got to find that catcher. You know, and you don't have to hit a ton. You know, you hit two sixty. You know, you're in good shape in that position. So yep. they just got to find somebody that can be consistent and give you uh, give you something consistently at the plate. Yeah, you know, Peebles. It's not like um, you know he transferred out. Uh, you know, he came from a, a highly competitive battle at, with one of the best catchers in the country, you know. So it, it's not like the guy can't play behind the dish. He just – he was battling one of the best guys in the country and, right. you know, found a home here on Rocky Top. I think he'll fit in just fine. I expect him to hit in the heart of the order. Yeah. Uh, I've got him at third. That's where I would go. He's a switch hitter. I think he's the only switch hitter – of this bunch this season uh, outside of Kirby Cannell. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know if we'll see uh, Kirby swing the bat this year, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him, Burke, Amick right there in the heart of the order. I think um, Dylan Dryling, I think would be in the lead to, to bat lead off, especially against Roddy's right. uh, and then have Simo behind him. Uh, but I could also see some lineups to where, you know, you can move Dryling down especially if Antigua gets back, uh, you can move Dryling down against lefties and having bat in that 6-7 that range and give you a little boost there at the back of the lineup. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for it. They've, they've sent out some projected starters. No order yet, obviously. That'll come out right before uh, game time. But uh, taking a look at some of the opponents that we have this weekend, starting off with Texas Tech – 
one of the surprises that we have is that uh, they've announced that AJ Russell will get the nod on Friday night. Um, how surprised are you about that? Not really. At this time of year, you know, obviously, you know what you've got in Drew Beam, and so it's not like you know you're, you're guessing. Can he handle the Friday night job? Sure, he can if 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 that's where he chooses to go. But AJ Russell, talented pitcher, uh, throws hard, uh, spots the ball well, and uh, yeah, you know, he's going to be a guy who you're going to count on. So, yeah, you know, early in the year, I don't think it's really that important who pitches on Friday, who pitches on Saturday, who pitches on Sunday. You just need to get the innings, and then you can figure it out. See how people react in different slots, and uh, and and see how they react, and and then you can slot in who's going to go which night. And, you know, another thing, early in the year, we're not going to see them going, you know, a, a lot of innings. You know, they're going, they're going to have their pitch count. They're going to be done. We're going to go on to somebody somebody else. So, yeah, it, it's not like where they're going to be the first couple of weekends is where they're going to be once SEC play starts. I totally agree. And, you know, Tony mentioned that they're, they're looking for stability. And he, he alluded to the fact that, yeah, Drew Beam, like you said, you know what to expect out of him so we can kind of move him around and you know he's going to get the job done right uh but also i think it's a credit to aj russell and i think it's kind of you know going back to last season there was a point in the season where aj had a really good outing can't remember exactly which performance it was uh but tony pretty much called him out in a good way um you know this was amongst his peers Guys in his pitching group, like obviously Drew Beam, but also Chase Burns and Chase Dolander and Halverson and Lindsey. And he said something to the effect of, you know, like you're going to be pitching on the weekend and it's going to be soon. And to kind of call him out like that in front of those guys, giving him that confidence, I think this is kind of a connected thread back to that. Um, they've been – uh, very fond of this guy going back, and it's short sample. It, it's right. he put uh, pitched thirty innings or so, not a ton in conference play, but uh, some of the underlying metrics that that are not shown up in the box score. He has plus command of the fastball. He's a tall guy, like six and a half feet tall, right. uh, and his release point is so low he can really jump on batters uh, with that really good fastball. So if the breakers are there. Uh, watch out! And some of the underlying metrics are are showing that uh, his his fastball, you know, it could be the best in the country, and the batted ball profile, albeit you know short sample and not a lot against conference uh, play, is among the best um, in the country. So he's going to be going up against Kyle Robinson of Texas Tech, a a big right-handed pitcher, another six-six guy. <laughs> Um, and, and this is this is the best pitcher I think that they will face on the weekend. Um, Kyle Robinson logged 45 and a third innings last last season, uh, struck out 45 to just 19 walks, and wow. he he performed his best at the end of the season. Uh, his last two outings uh, were both you know five innings apiece against Oklahoma State and Florida. Those combined outings, 10 innings, two earned. 12k three walk so he ended the season on a high note uh he was actually a member of the stars and stripes out there with drew beam and christian moore uh the guy profiles as a sinker baller um fastball's got good carry but the slider is kind of his calling card 
also a really good changeup uh, and a split. He throws a split. So the guy can mix it up, and uh, he's solidly in the top 100 uh, in this year's draft, and I think he's a guy that could could see some, some rise in that regard. And uh, if he pitches well in the Big 12, you know, that's – it's going to do it because uh, you know how the offense is out there. Um, so uh, anxious to see this matchup between uh, between Robinson and Russell. And then uh, Texas Tech, also two of the best, probably two of the best position players that uh, Tennessee will see on the weekend. And uh, Kevin Basil, uh, he was a freshman All-American, hit 348 with 10 homers. He's a really athletic catcher, converted third baseman. Uh, really loud bat. And then Gavin Cash, uh, we're probably going to hear that name a lot over the course of this season. Um, he's a preseason All-American coming into the year. I think he ends up being all Big 12. Um, three Hit 327 with 26 homers last year. Wow. <laughs> and so uh, the offense, you know, Tim Tadlock has kind of got uh, – you know, kind of got a name for that offense, and it's it's a launch angle offense. Um, it's going to be an exciting matchup. So, um, is there anything with Texas Tech or some of these other Big Twelve teams in uh, Baylor and Oklahoma that you're kind of honing in on? Not really honing in, other than the fact that you know they're all solid programs. You know, in the in the top twenty almost every year. So you know you're going to get a good look this weekend. Yeah, gone are the days when the, the big state university opened the season with the little state university. Yeah. Kind of cruised into it. Now everybody, uh, most teams, that most of the top teams are are playing in one of these events where they're playing other top teams. So, yeah, you don't get the luxury that, that college baseball had 15, 20 years ago to be able to ease into the season. Well, you got to be ready from day one. And, you know, if Tennessee's not ready, you know, a Robinson, he's – you know, he's the kind of guy who, again, 20 years ago, just shows how far college baseball's come, never would have gotten to college. You know, no. It would, been, it would have been playing pro ball out of high school or no no, no worse than one year of junior college. But now seemingly every one of the top 30-ish teams has got at least one of these guys now. Yep. Yeah, it's insane. And I love some of these the showdowns and the classics that are going on. I hate the fact that there's no middle ground for the the streaming availability um you know it's it's what 30 bucks um for the whole weekend and that's you know logging in to a subscription based thing and um you know that's that's the tough part but who knows maybe uh maybe we can find some some sketchy stream uh coming from the Philippines or something that we can tap into after a, a nice chicken fight or something. And just hope the FBI didn't knock at your door. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's worked before and I've, I've come out fine, but uh, looking at Oklahoma uh, he, led by head coach, Skip Johnson yeah. in his seventh season. Uh, this team may look familiar. If, if some of the Tennessee fans aren't familiar with Oklahoma, their approach will look familiar. They're a lot like Kentucky in the regard that they play small ball. They only hit 47 homers last year, but they recorded 114 stolen bases. Um, and this team, man, they've got – it's an older bunch. And, you know, you'll see a lot of these like 5'10", 200-pound guys that have either been in the program a long time or they're JUCO guys that 
likely won't have a pro career, but are really just those old school, really good college baseball players. Uh, and, and it's going to be a tough one. Um, they've got a few guys that both hit over 300, all seniors, by the way, hit over 300 and logged 15 stolen bases or more. And uh, Kendall Pettis, he had 17 bags. Bryce Madron, which I think he's coming in all Big 12 consideration. Uh, he led the team with 12 homers. And Anthony McKenzie, 41 RBIs. He started all 60 games. He's an infield utility for, for the Sooners. So, you know, Drew Beam will be going up against that bunch. I think I feel pretty confident, Bill, that they can come home with a winning weekend, at least two to one, because you got Baylor on Sunday. And I mean, this team had a historically bad year uh, last year 20 and, 20 and 35 overall, six and 18 in the conference. Uh, they were four and 13 away and two and three at a neutral. Um, you know, oh, that was 22. They were three and 16 away in 23. So they, you know, that traveling is not their thing the past couple of years. So, no, uh, and that, that's unlike Baylor. Baylor's normally been a solid program, solid to very good program. And uh, yeah, to struggle the way they have the last couple of years is, uh, you know, very surprising. So, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a big roster shakeup uh, happen in Waco. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, Mitch Thompson, it's his second year trying to turn that thing around. He's kind of a, a uh, he's been on the JUCO circuit down there uh, for a long time. Um, he was the head man at McLennan Community College in Waco, so he's kind of he's kind of been in that recruiting landscape. So that works there. Um, you know, he won a title at McLennan. Um, he's got ties all the way back to Ron Polk at, at Mississippi State as a grad assistant. So the guy's been around. He knows the landscape down there. Can he make it work? We'll see. Uh, their best, one of their most talented pitchers, uh, who's had a little bit of tumultuous um, college career at this point, but he he transferred out to Texas. That's Will Rigney. So they're relying on a lot of transfer guys, particularly from the Ju- JUCO level. Um, that yeah, like you said. Uh, on Sunday, I'm I'm expecting, uh, you know, I'm expecting Tennessee to maybe mix and match and kind of exercise some demons there in that regard. Um, yeah, how do you feel? Yeah, that's oh, uh, junior college baseball in Texas is really strong. You know, we know about the San Jacintas and and the, those schools. So there is a lot of talent, especially a lot of hitters uh, coming out of the junior college system in Texas. So you know, if they can put together a good offensive team, you know. Maybe he can play a lot of 12, 12 10 game type games this year and uh, uh, take that program forward. You mentioned a minute ago we're talking about Oklahoma being older players, uh, players that have been around for a while. When you were uh, when you were talking about them, kind of reminded me of a team Notre Dame that came in here a couple of years ago yeah. for, Super, for the Super Regionals. They were that type of team as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. So. We'll see. This is definitely going to be by far and away uh, Tennessee's stiffest competition until uh, SEC uh, ramps up. And outside of Kansas State, another Big 12 team, uh, but that's just a one game set. Um, outside of that, you've got you know your ETSU and uh, Illinois for a three game weekend. So, how do you feel about this this bunch coming back uh, at least with a winning? weekend two two and one 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they, they they should be at least two and one. And if, if they get any breaks, you know, they could they could very well be three and zero. So you know, it just all, just all depends on how pitching, it, how the pitching rotation works out. They get some breaks uh, defensively as long as the team plays well behind and doesn't put the pitchers in a bit in a big hole where their pitch counts going up and having to uh, you know bring guys in before they're ready to. Uh, for Frank's ready to bring him in, so yeah, I feel I feel really good about it. I, I like the talent from this team. You know, a couple of with we talked about Peebles and Amick. You know, those are key guys that have come in to fill you know fill voids, if you will, and they're going to fill them pretty darn well, I believe, because they're both talented players. And and uh, you know, just there's uh, the talent is here on this team. You know. Is it going to take some time to gel? Well, according to what Aaron told us last week in the, in the last podcast, you know, he feels like they're maybe a little bit ahead of where, where they were last year as far as gelling with that team chemistry and getting ready to play. So, you know, if, if, if Aaron's correct and I, he's there every day, so I absolutely have no reason to doubt him, that's good news that they're maybe a little bit ahead from that standpoint where they were to start last year. Yeah, and speaking on that, the first player that I heard utter those same words, the same sentiment, uh, was Blake Burke. And this was a few weeks ago. This was like early on uh, when the ramp-up process began, when guys reported back and they had had a few scrimmages or something like that under their belt. And I think he kind of said it kind of unsolicited. <laughs> and and I thought it was huge coming from him Um uh, because he's traditionally not been a very vocal guy, you know, in terms of the media and things like that. But for him to say that, and then it was backed up by Chris Stamos, and Chris Stamos is a new guy coming over here uh, from Cal, a West Coast kid, California kid. And that's one of the things he noticed. And like you said, Aaron mentioned it too. So, um, you know, it, it, it touches me as kind of not so much coach speak. It, I lean towards it being a more genuine type of sentiment. So uh, we'll see. And I think, like you said, he's there every day. Uh, these guys are there every day battling against one another. And, you know, we'll see. But my my thing is who can – I believe it, and I think it holds true, but you still kind of have to have those generals in the clubhouse. You know, when things – when things get rough and guys need some direction and some guidance, um, you know, who are those guys going to be, you know, cause you don't have, you know, I know 22 was kind of an asterisk in a lot of ways because uh, you had not only were Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck uh, extremely talented players, uh, Drew Gilbert was an extreme personality. Right. Um, so there's many ways to go about policing a clubhouse, um, and, and I wonder who those guys will be that kind of are able to push the right buttons, both in the p- pitching group and the hitting group as well. Yeah, in the hitting group, I would expect CMO to step up in that role, and we really yeah. need CMO to step up in that role. Yeah, I, I agree. That's probably the lead candidate in that regard. I remember watching him back at the Desert Invitational this time last year um, where they played uh, – what is it? Four, they got four ballparks there or something, and Grand, Grand Canyon yeah. hosted – hosted one of them, but, uh, you know, he took really good command of the infield. We all know it was kind of an adventure for some of the guys defensively, but he was the one kind of taking charge in terms of uh, signals and communication and, and relays and things like that. So I think that carries over 
you know, into this year. And he's probably the league candidate for that. And then on the pitching side, you know, it, it's more so, you know, pitchers are pitchers and hitters are hitters at a lot of clubhouses. That's the way Tennessee has rolled uh, in recent years, um, which is fine. And I think it's more like lead by example right there. It starts with like Drew Beam, but uh, also Seacrest, Cannell. Uh, Cannell's uh, basically uh, a bullpen manager as well as still being a- eligible to pitch. Um, and, and then I think Aaron is probably one of those guys. He strikes me as maybe not as vocal, but you heard him talk to us about um, loving to help people. And, you know, but those people have to be receptive. So I wonder if the pitching group has kind of caught on to that. And it's like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to give you advice and this is the way we roll. But, uh, you know, you better latch on because this is the way. <laughs> so. So, so is there anything Kirby doesn't do? You know, you say he's a bullpen manager. He runs the the, uh, the body armor out to the base runners. I've even seen him pick up a rake and work with the ground screw guys. So is there anything Kirby doesn't do? I mean, word is he's been cooking up hot dogs in between innings. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. With all the, the new renovations, I'm sure there's going to be more concessions. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Kirby – up there helping the staff. <laughs> yeah, but 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 every team has to have one of those guys. You know, he he he's jovial. You know, he's 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 quick with a joke. But when he needs to be serious, he's as serious as he can be. You mentioned one lead by example. That's that's Kirby Canal. Yep. So speaking of the pitching, Sunday is to be determined. Uh, yep. Is there a guy that you have in your mind that you know you expect to see out there, or that you would like to see? It just it all depends on what happens Friday and Saturday, you know, as far as how deep they have, they have to go in the or need to go in the bullpens or choose to go in the bullpens. And yeah, I think Stamos is probably one of the candidates. Uh, I would think that. Um, yeah, who else? Yeah, Sneed's there. He's a candidate. We saw Causey in the scrimmage. You know, he's he's a candidate. So really, at this point, till we see what happens Friday, Saturday, really not sure what they do on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's kind of an exercise in futility to kind of uh, try to guess this when it's Tony V and Frank Anderson involved. Um, but who I would like to see would be Wyatt Evans. Uh, yes, the, that, that, another name, right? Another uh, the talented lefty. Now, he had control issues. He hit two batters, first two batters in a tight game, but then reeled it in and was excellent uh, to help kind of close that game. Um that's who I would like to see. Yeah. My guess would be Chris Stamos. I'm with you on that. And that's just a guess. Um, and in recency bias going back to because just two weeks ago, he was amazing in that scrimmage, uh, kept hitters off balance. Uh, the fastball was a lot better than I expected. And uh, the off speed was, was really, really good. So if he's, kind of carried that over. If he's looked like that for a couple of weeks, a couple of outings, um, I would have to think they roll with the hot hand and with it being a lefty. Um, but who knows? And speaking of lefties, Xander Sechrist, like he's earned that in a way. I mean, I don't know how that would fit long term, but you've got plenty of time to kind of figure out your weekend and, and the slots for guys. Um you know, before conference play starts. Uh, so, yeah, it's you mentioned Snead as well. They have stretched him out 
are they gonna is he gonna kind of come back down the ramp and be a closer guy? I think I think that's where he's best suited. He's definitely got stuff for a closer, but based on what we saw, I mean, geez, you get you know four or five innings out of him looking like that, that's that's an option too. Yeah, it is. And and as we said, you know, this first couple of weekends, that's to hammer all this stuff out, figure out who's gonna fit where and uh um, and and Get ready for the SEC season start. Got what four four weekends, I believe it is, before the SEC season starts. Yeah. So you, you got a little bit of time to figure it out. And you know, I have a feeling we'll, we'll see a lot of guys these first few weekends. Oh, for sure. And that's where kind of for me, you know, you in terms of the lineup, you kind of know what the lineup's gonna be. I mean, there's um there, you know, I can see a lot of mixing and matching with like Bargo and uh Villanev. Um maybe Chapman and, and like subbing in Chapman for tears or something like that. And then obviously the shortstop spot, um, Bracky Laurie is going to start. Uh, I've heard that Curly and Perry are both traveling and, and good to go. Um, I don't, if, if that's the case, I would like to see Curly or at least one of the two, um this weekend but if it's not the case if they're if they're still a little hampered and you're wanting to kind of save them because one of them was a hamstring if not both um you know if you're wanting to kind of save them and you just basically have lori and you know kind of not another great option maybe we do see semo slide over to short um at least half a game or maybe that sunday against baylor or something like that get you could get ethan Payne. you know he could play second um you know, I hey, if it's my opinion that if Billy Billy Amick doesn't transfer to Rocky Top, uh, Ethan Payne's probably your third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, Much likely. Yeah. So, you know, and, and and a lot of a lot of players uh, really are are fond of Ethan Payne. Like he's a guy that's been in the program since 2020. There's some pitchers I've heard it from a handful of pitchers that he's one of the toughest at bats. So, um, you know, we can see some of that, but for the most part, you kind of know who your top 10, 11 bats are top 12. So the big, the big battles are going to be some of these guys who are going to figuring out your travel roster, you know, and um, even, even on the, uh, the bullpen side of things, you've got guys like Dylan Loy, uh, Matthew Dallas, uh, the Schaefer kid, I've heard nothing but good things about. Um, they're kind of in that group of like who's going to be getting innings for us out of this group and traveling with us. Um, Sean Hunley's brother, uh, he's he's definitely in the mix. So and and the Marcus Phillips kid, who's like a freakazoid, uh, can throw the leather off the ball. Um, where does he fit in on all this? I mean, he's he's a two-way type of talent, but he's gonna kind of get his run in the bullpen and and see what he can do. Where where does he go? So the top end of things, like your top, you know, six or eight pitchers and uh your top eleven or twelve bats are pretty firm. It's just a matter of filling those slots and right. Figuring out your rotation and your your weekend and your your midweek lineups and things of that nature. But I'm I'm anxious to see um, you know, players 35 through 38 or 32 through 38. Like who are those guys? Right. So we'll get a hopefully we'll get a good glimpse at some of these uh these young guys, these new guys. 
over the course of this weekend because uh, they're going to have to rely on him, especially in non-conference play during mid midweek. And we all know that, you know, this thing is a grind. Uh, guys are going to get hurt, get banged up, and other guys are going to have to step up. Yeah, you, you say it's a grind now. Next year, when Texas comes in, yeah, it's going to be even more of, of a Texas and Oklahoma. It's going to be even more of a grind. The SEC is already the best conference in baseball, college baseball by far. You add those two teams, and it's just going to be a super conference. And, yeah, and we're going to get a glimpse at Oklahoma this weekend. So that's right. another cool thing. We kind of get yeah. a glimpse at them. Uh, then they hop over to the SEC next season. Uh, man, I can't believe it's already here, Bill. Uh, excited right. for it. Um, the Shriner Showdown. Uh, Tennessee's got 8 p.m. starts throughout Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll kind of click the antennas together, position them right, and maybe pick up a feed uh, from over across the pond or something. Right now, everybody is O and O. Optimism abounds, so it's time to play. Yep. Uh, excited for it. Uh, any last uh, thoughts or parting shots from you, Bill? Uh, no, just that it's it's finally here. You know, we've been waiting on this since you know last June, and uh, looking forward to uh, the the season opening. You know, now we know what's happened with the roster, who go, who's gone where, who's back, who had a good fall, <laughs> and uh, who's ready to step in. And uh, let's just uh, let's let's see it happen now. Yep, I'm with you. Ready for it. It's uh, you know covering prospects and things of that nature. Uh, which, by the way. Uh, the pod should be out any moment, but our buddy Dan Zelensky from Baseball Prospect Journal should be dropping the pod, the first pod, college baseball pod uh, of the season. Of course, he puts out content year-round. Uh, more than happy to to write for him and do some work for him. We've got a new crew. We've added three new members at Baseball Prospect Journal, so be sure to t- check that out. We've got, I think we've got some Florida coverage and we've also got some Nebraska coverage. It looked they're, like a Cornhusker heavy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, they're close to Omaha. Uh, and, right. and some coverage that's going to be in Nebraska, but not uh, the University of Nebraska as well. So the more the merrier. It's kind of a year-round thing, keeping up with uh, the draft cycles and, and college baseball now, really, with the transfer portal and, yeah. and things of that nature. Um, it's a yearly grind, but uh, January uh, – I'm not too fond of, but it, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, in that snowstorm we had, I just kept thinking college baseball is right around the corner and it's finally here. So excited to get it going. Bill, thank you for joining me. We will, uh, we'll get back together next week and wrap up and recap uh, how these boys did uh, when they get back from Texas. Sounds good. And I'm sure we'll be talking about a successful weekend. Absolutely. Folks, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time on the 920 Podcast.